sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. My fellow patriots, the Senate is about to vote on what could be one of the most important confirmations in our lifetime, and I need your help now. Um, I think he's a legal rock star. Now, this new allegation, I don't know what our Democratic friends expect us to do. I think the vote will be 11 to 10. This is one more Hail Mary pass on the part of the Democrats. And of course, Chuck Schumer wants to postpone the vote indefinitely. Why? Because his objective, folks, is not the truth. His objective is to simply stall and try and kill this nomination because it was a nomination made by President Donald J. Trump. In other words, they really have a big nothing burger. And now, Stacey Washington. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Yes. I'm so excited to be here because guess what? We're going to unpack that. Did you hear the sound of that voice? Those were the dulcet tones of Herman Cain. Remember Herman Cain? He was the last GOP man to be, well, I call it the Herman Caining of an individual when that person, all of a sudden, a person who has previous to that been upstanding and not had any issues publicly um, with infidelity or, you know, not been known as a ladies man, when that person suddenly becomes you know, basically Bill Clinton's little brother, uh, uh, and, and they're a Republican, they're getting Herman Cain the way Herman Cain was treated when David Axelrod interviewed the chicks one by one at his condo in Chicago. And then afterwards, the women remembered all of a sudden that they'd been inappropriately approached, touched, et cetera, et cetera, by Herman Cain. Now, Herman Cain was not without fault. There were, you know, some issues going on in, in his past that I guess, you know, he paid some chick off or something and we're not really sure exactly what went on with that. And so he opened himself up to the attacks actually working. But that's not the case with Justice Kavanaugh. This is a, a, a man who's been married to the same woman for decades, and they have a strong marital bond. And so we're going to unpack that today. I'm really excited to get into it because what we need here is some common sense. We need some common sense straight from the heartland, citizen to citizen. I'm, that's who I'm talking to. All of, all, all of the citizens is who I'm talking to. No offense to anyone who's not a citizen. God bless you. But, um, you know, I got to keep it real. And today on the program, we're going to do exactly that. We have Bernard Carrick, former commissioner of the New York Police Department. He's going to be on with us in just a few minutes. We also have a guest, uh, Chris Houck, Media Research Center. He'll be joining us as well. And we're going to be unpacking this whole thing with the Kavanaugh confirmation. Now, the timeline is as such that it's pretty clear that it's a blatant and obvious attack on his character that is meant to derail the nomination. And why? Because Democrats really need abortion on demand. They need it. It has to be something that's available. They have to be funding it with the taxpayer dollars. And they have to have a Supreme Court that is in no way uh, inclined towards jeopardizing that right, the infanticide. They need it. They're desperate for it. It's, it's like the only thing that the people care about on the left. Yeah, if, that's, if to you that sounds like an exaggeration or if you're the, one of those people who can't stand me you know, to say the words pro-abortion, then you should buckle up and maybe grab your beverage of choice or head to your safe space because it's going to be that kind of program today. It's time for some truth-telling. Uh, you know, the, the Democrats don't get this rabbit about other issues that have to do with personal liberty as if snuffing a life out for your own convenience is a part of personal liberty. I know the Constitution doesn't say anything about that. The Bill of Rights doesn't say anything about that. The Federalist Papers don't say anything about that. Documents written by the founders outside of what they wrote when they were doing the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights don't say anything about that. 
nowhere at any point in the history of this nation, when we're talking about the founders period, was it ever something the founders worried about a woman being able to kill an unborn baby. So the idea that it's constitutional in some way is just a lie from the pit of hell. Step off. That's not what goes on here. We're going to have to have the truth unvarnished straight to you from me. And I mean, don't shoot the messenger. It's not me who said I knitted you together in your mother's womb. That was God. Okay. That was not me. Okay. So this whole thing is because they think Justice Kavanaugh might strike down Roe v. Wade. And every other tactic has failed. He's not nice. He watches too much baseball. He's mean. He's ruled in ways we don't like before. He's on a list made by the Federal Society. He's on a list approved by the Heritage Foundation. None of those lines of attack worked. They questioned him. They sent 240 protesters into the room, hot, stinky protesters screaming at the top of their lungs. They were off their meds. They weren't cute. They were there. They didn't impact this situation. And if you think about it, that was really the shining moment for for Judge Kavanaugh, because we saw it and we heard it, but we weren't in that space. And you know, good and well, that when you're in a space with people who are hot and sweaty and they're they're screaming and they're they're emotionally unhinged, that that energy, it infects you. You can feel it. The, The whole tenor of the place is just upset by it. Even if you're the most emotionally disconnected, obtuse individual 200 and some protesters screaming and blurting out, you know, the worst possible things that's going to get to you at some point. Yet we watched as day after day, eight hours at a time, Judge Kavanaugh not only sat through it, but answered questions. He was really he was so laid back. And so I I ask you, I know that that many were praying for him during that time. I ask that you would remember his wife and their daughters in prayer right now as these allegations are ramped up. And this this person that they're trotting out with her, she's she's mentally disturbed. She's been seeing a counselor and something that happened to her when she was in high school. She's still getting counseling over it like nothing else has happened in the intervening decades. And now all of a sudden she's willing to come out and smear Judge Kavanaugh for the benefit of her party because she's a Democrat just because they want to keep abortion taxpayer funded and all up in everybody's wallet. And so, yes, the Kavanaugh family needs our prayers. Judge Kavanaugh needs our prayers because he's under the worst kind of scurrilous attack on his character. And really, his entire life is being held up to have holes blown into it. And it's just wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And I mentioned Herman Cain because Herman Cain was the first such to have to put up with this kind of ridiculous behavior. But I'm talking recently. Obviously, they did the same thing. Anita Hill did this during Clarence Thomas's ju- uh, uh, confirmation hearings, and it's been done before to Republicans. It's a tried and true method of basically saying, well, you can't question her. I've already seen online people are writing op-eds saying if she testifies before the Senate Judiciary hearing and the Republicans who are all men who are on the the subcommittee that would do the interview, if they're seen grilling her, it's Anita Hill all over again. Well, I mean, who cares if it's Anita Hill all over again? Why isn't anybody saying, is this true? Yeah, people on the right are saying it, but what about on the left? Why why don't people, the same God-fearing church-attending folk, folks who, you know, anytime, that's not biblical. As Hillary Clinton said, it would be unbiblical to, you know, not have, Abortion be the law of the land. What Bible does she read? The Clintons must have some weird um, 
like homemade pasted together scrapbook type Bible where they just get their feelings and their thoughts and they print them out on a computer or something, uh, you know, or a dot matrix back in the day. And then they staple those together and then put it inside of a cover of a Bible. Just take the actual Bible out and put the Bible cover on a whole bunch of stuff that they believe. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard for her to say that to no longer have abortion be the law of the land, that would somehow be unbiblical. But then beyond that, you have this whole idea that you can be in church on Sunday with your hands uplifted, singing praises to the Lord while you're advocating for abortion, the snuffing out of the unborn. Now, any Christian can be deceived and, you know, be outside of the will of God. But come on now. I mean, it, unless all of the people who believe this are all reading from the same Clinton sourced Bible, the same homemade scrapbook, then how is this such a big problem? How is it that we can have people who say they're God-fearing Christians running around advocating for this stuff and then by extension validating Dianne Feinstein and her scurrilous attack on the just basically the character of Judge Kavanaugh? They've gone out and found somebody who's willing to lie on the man because none of the other tactics worked. And they need to delay the hearings. They don't want it voted on before the midterm because they think they're about to gallop up into the area and just, you know, lay waste to the land. I didn't I didn't pull that audio. I did not send it over to my producer for you to hear the audio. Of the, the, there's some Democrat running around saying it's going to be a bloodbath in favor of the Democrats. And, and be that as it may, God is still on the throne. He's still going to be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow as he was when President Obama was in charge. So whether it's a bloodbath or not, how about if we just get right on some of the core issues? The core issues. Uh, there's a lot of important things that happen in the political world, the politics being the tool. But what about those core issues? How you don't slander somebody and tear their good name down for your political aims. How about that? I'm pretty sure that's not biblical. And I'm not talking about the Clinton copy and paste Bible Feelings Extraordinaire Bible, the Safe Spaces Bible. I'm talking about the actual word of God, the actual, true, unchangeable sort of truth, the word of God. So right now, let's listen to John Kennedy. He's talking about how the confirmation process has been an intergalactic freak show. His words, not mine. But we're happy to have you, Senator Kennedy. What do you make of this allegation against Kavanaugh? Back when he was a teenager, do you think it'll do anything to derail his nomination, his confirmation? I'm fairly confident that our founding fathers did not intend the process to work this way. Uh, so far, it's pretty much been an intergalactic freak show. Um, Senator Grassley, our chairman, did the best he could at the hearing. Senators kept interrupting him. Uh, they ignored the rules. We had over 240 protesters who stood up screaming. Uh, the only thing missing, I think, was the, the genitalia-shaped headgear. Uh, there were wild accusations about Kavanaugh, that uh, he's evil, he hates women, he hates children, uh, he hates little warm puppies. And, and now we have this recent allegation by Senator Feinstein. I mean, here's what we know. She, uh, she's produced a letter. It's a secret letter. And we're, we're not entitled to, not, to see it or know who wrote it. So, again, now we do know who wrote it. But as of the moment that he was doing this interview, we didn't. And now this person says she's willing to come forward and testify. 
you know, before the committee. I, I, I mean, I couldn't believe not even a half of a word coming out of her mouth, but I guess they're going to have to hear her out. Here he is. He, he completes his thoughts on this subject. And I, I got a quick little scripture for you because we got to hit that. Let's do John Kennedy, too. It supposedly was put together with the help of Stanford Law School. Uh, the lady in the letter says that 35 years ago, when she was a teenager, and Judge Kavanaugh was a teenager, he uh, allegedly sexual advances against her uh, at a party. Now, Kavanaugh denies it. Uh, the only other person in the room denies it. Um, uh, Senator Feinstein's had the letter since July for three months. She said nothing, nothing, zero, nada, zilch. She didn't say anything in the confirmation hearing. She didn't say anything in our, in our confidential session with Judge Kavanaugh when the senators and the nominee met privately. And now, after it's all over, she produces the letter. I think, Chris, in my opinion, most Americans are looking at this, most mainstream stream Americans, and they're thinking that Congress has hit rock bottom and started to dig. And, and I have been uh, embarrassed by the whole process. And frankly, I'm no disrespect to Senator Feinstein or to Stanford Law School, but I'm a little bit offended. Uh, I sit on Judiciary Committee. They've had this, this stuff for, for uh, three months. Uh, if they were serious about it, they, they, they should have told us about it. God's word says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. No matter how many algorithms they put out, no matter how many fake chicks with stories from high school they pull out, be strong and courageous. Do not waver. And remember that if you're obedient, God's word says you will be successful wherever you go. Take that with you. We'll be back with our next guest, Bernard Carrick, right after these messages. Hello, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Well, the last two years, we've just had tremendous response, early response to the announcement that we're going to Israel on a Holy Land tour. We're going March of this year. We go March of every year. Last year, we filled up like early fall, and I expect us to fill up early fall this year as well. So if you're interested in this March 14th through the 22nd tour, and you'll be going with primarily supporters of AFA and AFR, just get the brochure and check it out. You can call us today at 800-FAMILIES, 800-F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option 5, and leave us your name and your address, and we'll mail you a brochure. If you simply want to go online, all the information is there. It's at twholyland.com, twholyland.com. If you want to go in March, we're filling up, and we're filling up fast. 
So check it out, twholyland.com. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I read the true story of a con man who passed himself off as a medical doctor, but who had never darkened the halls of medical school. He was shrewd and very bright. He forged credentials, records, and he landed several jobs in hospitals, but before they found him out, he always moved on. He carried on this charade for quite a while, but eventually he was caught. I believe in our churches there are people who talk like believers and even outwardly act like believers, but they're not true believers. Much like this so-called doctor, they live a false life, go through the motions, and fool everybody because they know the language, have a little bit of experience, and keep ahead of the crowd. It's that group of people Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 is talking about. Listen up. For this reason, we must pay close attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The author is warning us here that God judges sin and disobedience. It's not the outward image he looks at. He looks at the condition of the heart. This leads to another warning. The unrepentant will not escape. When he asks, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The neglecting of the salvation, from my understanding of the text, has to do with not yielding to that which we have been exposed. What we know, we're not going to escape. Here's what I want you to remember and consider today. Do you have a real, legitimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Don't just accumulate Bible information. Do something about it. Give your life to Christ. Be a bona fide Christian. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. It's so much super fun to be here. <laughs> and also, I have to say, thank you so much um, to uh, the, the women that I saw on Friday. Friday, I got a chance to emcee an event. It's called Joy in the Journey, and it's about Hidden Heart Ministries, which is a wonderful Bible study that is it's originating out of Missouri. A group of women were going through something with a friend who her marriage was in, in dire trouble. And they decided instead of going to a counselor, which there's nothing wrong with counseling, but instead of going to someone secular or some or, or a divorce attorney, they turned to the word of God and they began to meet on a weekly basis and pray with her and fast with her to try to save her marriage. And not only did they save her marriage, but they went on to have an amazing additional 30 years together. And, uh, you know, just a, a turnaround story that only you, you only find it right here, living in, in this life, walking with God. And what's so fascinating about it is that out of that many years they spent together praying over not just her marriage, but other marriages, they created this amazing Bible study called Cry the Hidden Heart, which I've been to. And so we were having a 25 year celebration on Friday and I saw women I hadn't seen who live in St. Louis and, and the metro area for six or seven years. And we were all there together enjoying ourselves, having a breakfast and listening to a number of different speakers. And I got to be the MC. And I just want to say thank you so much uh, to Hidden Heart Ministries for having me in and also to the women who were there who shared their stories and, and were speaking and the roundtable that we had and to so many friends and friendly faces and wonderful women that I met. Uh, or reconnected with on Friday. It was a truly an honor to be there and a blessing to meet up with those women. 
Um, I'll have more about the Unconventional Business Women's Network where I'm going to be doing the keynote address uh, on October 15th. I'll be putting things on my social media. If you're interested in attending that and getting a ticket, you can click through to the website and reserve your spot for that. So right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Bernard Carrick, former commissioner of the New York Police Department. Bernard, thank you for joining us today, sir. Thank you. So you have a new book. Tell us, why did you write this new book? Uh, the new book, Grave Above the Grave, is um, it's a thriller. It's a novel. It's uh, something I've wanted to do for a while. I've written uh, two prior books, both of them biographies. They did extremely well. One of them was a runaway bestseller. And uh, I thought, you know what? I'm going to take my experience as the police commissioner of New York City, uh, my time in the aftermath of 9-11, uh, my four years in Saudi Arabia, five years working for the King of Jordan, and put that into a novel to give the American people some insight as to the threats we face, what we're looking uh, looking at facing down the road, uh, things that I think we should be concerned with. And I did it in a storyline that makes uh, for quite uh, riveting reading. Oh, wow, we have a pretty rough connection here. Um, so, I w- the first of all, the, the the book is called "The Grave Above the Grave." It's a hardcover. Came out September fourth. Bernard Carrick is the author. Multiple books he's written. Um, he it's it says here in the blurb, an exciting police thriller from New York Times best-selling author and former New York City Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick. A story of suspense, murder, and terrorist conspiracy ripped from today's headlines. So, talk to me a little bit about is it? It usually when the story has to do with um, it's kind of set in the modern era, then you have people that we know that real people that exist who are often in the story and play a part or a role in, in developing the characters and all of that. Are there people that we know right now it, written into the storyline of this book, say like President Trump? Well, listen, I was actually in the police commission on September 11th. Uh, I had to deal with the attack, uh, the aftermath, uh, Mayor Giuliani and I helped uh, keep the city and get the city back on its feet. So I've taken those reflections, uh, put them into a fictional New York City Police Commissioner. 17 years ago, was the precinct commander in the precinct where the towers once stood. And um, we take it from there uh, and, and it takes you on a journey fighting terrorism, uh, both in the United States and abroad. And uh, makes quite compelling So when you're talking about from 9-11, we just recently had the celebration of, well, you know, we commemorated uh, the years intervening from there. And for kids who haven't yet maybe had, so they weren't born then, they're, they have, were born post 9-11. And so they're born into this new world. They don't remember a time like I do, or you could go to the airport and fly and you know you just stroll on in I mean it was it was it was so free back then it's almost hard to believe that that was the way it was you could walk into the airport go all the way to the gate and sit there and hang out with the person who was flying out and then walk out you know without going through any security at all um how does that difference play out in this book well a lot of it was in the threat we face so what I try to do is give readers an understanding of what's in my head as somebody that's lived through this, as somebody that's seen it, um, what's in my head as far as the threats we face in the future? How do these people think? How do they communicate? 
So um, now that you have multiple books under your belt, do you see this as being a series that you're going to continue? Well, this is the book leaves it open for a series for a follow-up. Uh, you know, we'll see how it does. So far, the reviews have been really phenomenal. Uh, we've gotten uh, nice reviews from Sylvester Stallone, Brad Thor, uh, an iconic uh, author. Um, and, and what I do is I judge based on what the men who are in law enforcement and the military think, um, because they're the ones that are actually here fighting this fight. And the views from them have been really, really good, so I'm pretty happy. Awesome. Well, I am going to put the link to the Amazon uh, link to the book. It's it's purchasable on Amazon, and you can get it on audiobook, Kindle, audio CD, and also hardcover is prime shipping, which means it comes to you in less than two days. Uh, the book is The Grave Above the Grave by Bernard Carrick, and you were the former commissioner of the police of the New York City Police Department. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Good to talk to you. Um, I wish I wish we had a better connection there. I know how hard it is sometimes when you're in a bad area, you can move around and it still won't work. I've had that happen to me on interviews. Um, and so I'll definitely put the link to the book uh, onto Facebook so you can head over. You can kind of navigate over there and pick it up if you'd like. Uh, sounds fascinating. Um, we really have a lot of great options on the show for different subject matter for books. You can never run out of different uh books that you would read or, or hear about. And so I want to circle back around and, and you might be wondering, why did I read Joshua one, Joshua chapter one, um, in reference to what's going on with Judge Kavanaugh? Well, there, there's, there's multiple reasons why. The first reason being that sometimes when things get really kind of, in my opinion, this is pretty dark. It's, it's a really shifty, lowbrow trick to bring something from high school, something that's not prosecutable because the statute of limitations has expired eons ago to bring it up, to try to smear someone's character and to bring it up under the guise that we always believe women. So there's really, you can't even question her. You just have to take it at face value. You just have to accept what she said when she's only bringing it up when every other option to stop his nomination has failed. To me, that's kind of, it's not kind of, it's absolutely dastardly. And so it makes people feel discouraged. And, and I want to point to l- last week we were told before the hurricane actually hit, Hurricane Florence was going to be a Category 4, possibly Category 5 event with a wall of weather that was going to dump up to 19 feet. One report said up to 19 feet of water. That it was going to be catastrophic, that there'd be thousands of lives lost, and that there was really nothing that could be done about it. And, oh, it's global warming and Trump's fault. And, but you know, yada, yada, yada. And then I saw in my, I know it just for me personally, and I'm only one person, so this is anecdotal. I saw all over my Facebook feed, my Twitter feed, my email box, all the little chat things I'm on. Everyone was saying the same thing. Pray for the East Coast. Pray that this storm won't be as bad as, as it's been predicted. Pray that the, it would have a minimal loss of life. Pray, And so, you know, I, I believe many, many people who are sending all these messages are also doing what they're asking you to do, which is pray. And what happens? It comes in and it's not even a hurricane anymore. It's a, it's, a, it's a storm. And yes, there was a loss of life, but it was not nearly as severe as what was predicted. And the flooding is not as bad as what was predicted. In other words, answered prayer. And so I believe when, when you say, hey, pray, 
and then you pray and you see a result, you, God's hand is moved that we should be encouraged by that. Then you look in Joshua and it's, these are, God is commanding the Israelites. They're, they're starting a new, it's a new day. They're no longer being led by Moses. Joshua's in charge and Joshua is a completely different personality type than Moses. Joshua's kind of upbeat. He's the only one who returned with a positive report from when they were sent out to look into the new land that they were supposed to take. Everybody else is like, oh, the, the fruit's enormous and they can't, we can't do it. There's no way we're going to be able to take that over. And he came back. He was like, yeah, the fruit's as big as my head. It's the land of milk and honey and we should do as the Lord has commanded us. And so here God is telling the Israelites to basically new day, new leadership, and here's how I want you to operate. And this order, there, it's, it's not as if this is old and expired and we're not to, we're, we're to take from this what God is instructing Joshua to share with his people that, well, first of all, what God has for you, no one can take. That's first of all. And second of all, over and over again, what does he say? He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Be strong and courageous. He says that over and over and over again. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. He says, be careful to obey my law. And, and that connects up with what I said in the first segment. And make no mistake about it. This, this isn't about me and anything personal that I want. This is about when we, when we make up in our mind, I'm tired of being here. I want to be where I've written down my goal. I've, I've, I've prayed over it. I want to be there. And that's when you'll see, look, our father will say, now it's time for you to let go of that. And sometimes it's a television show. Sometimes it's a group of people. Sometimes it's, you know, drinking alcohol. Sometimes it's eating certain foods. Sometimes it's being sedentary, not getting active, not moving. Sometimes it's a complaining spirit or gossiping or whatever your thing is. The Lord is that sanctification. He's going to help you work that out. But if you say, well, the thing is, I'm not really willing to give that up. Then you, you're, you're ready to stay right where you are. You're, that's where you're going to be for a while until you're ready to, because you got to refine in order to move ahead. And what I see happening so often with people is you're just not willing to believe that something you believe for a long time, like abortion is just, you know, healthcare and it's just not a big deal. And you're a Christian and you're stuck in some spot and then you're, well, I'm not, I'm not going to change my political beliefs. Those are my political beliefs. They are. I have every right to those. You do. I'm going to move forward. You're not. <laughs> you are not. If you're willing to say that the unborn life inside of some woman you have never known and never will know is something you're willing to tax, pay, or subsidize, subsidize with your money to snuff out, then there's some places you're not willing, you're, you're not ready to go. You're not, you're not ready to go there. And so you're saying, well, you're connecting obedience with where you're able to go, what you're able to do, what you're able to accomplish. No, I'm not connecting those things. It's right here. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. So if you do turn from it to the right or to the left, you're not going to be successful wherever you go. Hello, bills. Hello, bill collector. Hello, you know, can't seem to get past this certain level on paying off the credit cards. Oh, can't seem to get more than this amount in the savings account. Can't seem to get that promotion. Can't seem to get that advancement. Hello. 
You're it's it's not some imaginary person who hates you who's keeping you from these things. It's you. It says right here. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. See, he first tells you what to do. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night because that that gives you the wisdom to be able to discern if abortion really is just health care, just a choice, just something somebody else does, or if it is a an abomination, something that goes against the anointed of God, which are the children. Something that you should not do because it would be worse for you to lead them astray, you know, leading children astray, making astray, making them think that abortion is is health care, reproductive rights. You better have a millstone around your neck than to lead the children astray. You see how that? Yeah. Yeah. Here it is right here. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it because you can't do what God's word tells you to do if you have meditate on if you have no idea what he said. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And that reaches into all areas of your life. It's not then you'll be prosperous at politics or then you'll be prosperous and successful at, you know, keeping your yard looking as good as your neighbors. No, it says in all that you do. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? So that's, again, going back around because he knows in our human condition, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of doubt and there's a lot of wishy-washy, double-minded waveriness. And you're going to sit up and you're going to you hear this and you're like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe God's word is true. It's true. Well, maybe I should stop voting for, uh, you know, infanticide. And then you're going to have a whole bunch of people that, you know, that are really loving where they're stuck at because it's a good place to complain. And they're going to tell you, you can't you're you're black or you're a woman or you 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 don't come from money. You can't be against reproductive rights. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's the enemy speaking. He's trying to stop you from getting past where you are to where you can go if you're obedient. And this is a serious foundational issue for those who claim to know Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. I'm not rereading it. I'm further down now. I'm, I'm down in verse uh, 14 or so. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua even repeated it to them. Remember the command that Moses, the servant, the Lord gave you after he said, the Lord, your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross ahead of your fellow Israelites. See how specific it is? Obey. That's what we have to do. Only be strong and courageous and obey the word of God. We'll be back and we'll take your calls right after this. The Capital One commercial will forever be etched in the ear of the listener. What's in your wallet is a phrase that won't easily be forgotten. But this is not a Capital One plug. I want you to think about the people that are in your circle of influence. Who's in your circle is my new catchphrase. Simply because we don't think enough about the people or spirits that we allow into our personal space. Negativity is contagious and fatal. Misery loves company and it's fatal to your hopes and dreams. I think we all know something. Someone who, no matter what good has happened, always has something negative to say. Ugh, that really bothers me. That bad attitude and that pessimistic spirit will only cause you to do the same. There's no room for doubt, especially if you're believing God to bring that vision to fruition. Now, this is not a license for you to be mean. It is, however, a license for you to assess who's in your circle and make the necessary adjustments. With a heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Tony Johnson. Connect with us at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Abraham Hamilton III. God put us 
in this world at this time to be salt and light. We don't fold because of the darkness that we're facing. This is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark. God has called you and I to be his ambassadors, even in this dark moment. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk. Hi, I'm Tim, I'm 17. I was brought up to think it was okay to do drugs because that's what our family was known for in town. But now I'm at Teen Challenge and I'm proud to be drug free. If you know an adult or teenager who's struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge can help. Call us today at 417-581-2181 or reach us online at teenchallengeusa.com. This is Urban Family Talk. Donald Trump's America. This week, the key vote is anticipated from the Senate Judiciary Committee on Brett Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court. It comes as a sexual misconduct allegation against the nominee from his high school days is made public. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana on Fox News Sunday accused Democrats of hiding this claim. They've had this, this stuff for, for uh, three months. Uh, if they were serious about it, they, they, they should have told us about it. The committee vote is scheduled for Thursday. The nation also continues to see what Florence has left behind in the Carolinas. North Carolina Senator Tom Tillis, also on Fox, says when the rains subside, the danger will not. We're going to have more evacuation notices as the rivers rise and after, uh, after they overflow their banks. Later this week, it's expected that the president will travel to areas of North Carolina hardest hit by what was then Hurricane Florence to highlight the relief effort. Gernal Scott, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I was going to ask you about your uh, interior decorating plans at your new house, but I thought I would instead start with something a little bit more mundane on the policy-wise, and that is that, uh, on, the policy, on a policy question, that is that last night uh, President Trump tweeted about one of your predecessors, Secretary Kerry, saying that he was having, quote unquote, illegal meetings with Iran's foreign minister and uh, what others have said is an attempt to undermine or subvert or coach the Iranians on how to get around or avoid the new, uh, your new harder, mm -hmm. tougher policy in Iran. I'm wondering if you share the president's view that these meetings are illegal and whether you do or not, uh, if you have noticed in your attempts to get with the Europeans and others to get them on board with the new U.S. policy, um, that that efforts by Secretary Kerry or any other foreign, former official, for that matter, has is, is interfering in or under, undermining your your efforts. So I'll leave the legal determinations to others. Uh, but what Secretary Kerry has done is unseemly and unprecedented. This is a former Secretary of State engaged with the world's largest state sponsor of terror. And according to him, right, I don't you have to take my word for it, he, these are his answers, he was, he was talking to them, he was telling them to wait out this administration. That's Secretary Mike Pompeo, and he's speaking at a press conference where he's being asked about a uh, former uh, State Department head, John Kerry, going out and basically following the Trump administration officials around and trying to undo their work, specifically this time with Iran. 
Iran is one of the largest sponsors, state sponsors of terrorism around the world. And so, you know, it's all well and good for us to seek better relations with them, but it is also of the utmost importance that we understand the dynamic. And while John Kerry may have had the right to do these kinds of things and hold these kinds of meetings when he was actually, uh, you know, appoint an appointee to an office, an office holder, and he was constitutionally mandated to do a certain job for the presidential administration in which he worked, it is absolutely unacceptable and untenable for him to travel around the world and attempt to subvert the current administration's goals in foreign policy. He's doing this and I don't understand why he's not being brought up on charges but he should not be doing this he shouldn't be engaging in this behavior so Pompeo is slamming him for meeting to try to salvage this really it's been shown to be not a good deal it does not serve America's best interest the Iran deal that was initiated and placed by President Obama so again Kerry met with the biggest state sponsor of terrorism a nation that recently attacked our embassy, it's number two. You, you can't find precedent for this in U.S. history. And um, Secretary, ought not to, Secretary Kerry ought not to engage in that kind of behavior. It's inconsistent with what the foreign policy of the United States is, as directed by this president. And it is beyond inappropriate for him to be engaged. So I remember I saw him. I saw him in Munich. Uh, at, the national, at the security conference, he was there with, if I have my facts right, because I think I saw them all with my own eyes, Secretary Moniz and Wendy Sherman, the Troika. And I am confident that they met with their Troika counterparts, although you, one can perhaps ask Secretary Kerry if my recollection with respect to that is accurate. Uh, I wasn't in the meeting, but I am reasonably confident that he was not there in support of U.S. policy with respect to uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran, who this week fired Katusha rockets toward the United States Embassy in Baghdad and took action against our consulate in Basra. I, well, I just, I, has it had an impact? Has it hurt your efforts? That's the, it just hit. Or I've, 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 I've okay. I, think you, I think you understand what I wish it is that former secretaries of state, all of them, from either political party, ought not to be engaged in. Actively undermining, US actively undermining U.S. policy as a former Secretary of State is literally unheard of. And so he went at that pretty hard, and, and he was right to do so. The call lines are open. It's the last segment of the show. You're welcome to call in and talk about anything we've covered so far today. Um, and also, your weekend. Yeah. This is Monday. Um, so please do call in uh, 866-963-2037. Call lines are open at 866-963-2037. So I think it's important for us to note that when Pompeo is, is answering this question in this press conference, that what he's trying to do is to, to I mean, it's, it's all he can do. It's, it's not like he has the power to arrest people. He's not in the, the uh, Justice Department. He's not the Attorney General. But it's definitely incorrect behavior that Kerry is engaging in. And this is what, what I think has been so annoying. When, when you look at the way that George Bush and all of the administration officials who served on, in his administration, the way they behaved after President Obama was elected, the way they just went off into that good night, they didn't talk about President Obama, they didn't talk about 
the things he was doing on foreign policy, they'd be out doing other events, other things. And someone would ask them, well, what do you think about President Obama? We wish the current administration the best, uh, you know, a, a great success in leading our nation. They, ha- they all had these kinds of boilerplate answers that were respectable and indicated that they were truly interested in the best for America. And now here we are. I mean, I just, it's hard to comprehend exactly what this is supposed to be. But they've been doing it since day one. President Obama went on his European tour. And after President Trump met with the world leaders, then Obama went and met afterwards. What is this? It's so dishonorable. It's so wrong for them to be doing that. Yet, you know, there it is. So it is something that's prosecutable. I believe there's something they could do about it. We'll have, it remains to be seen if, if they're going to do anything about it. So the big headline, obviously, is that this woman, her name is Christine, um, that she's ready to testify. Remember before it was, she sent a letter over and it was just background. She sent it to her senator, who's not on the judiciary panel, the committee. She sent it and said, I'm not willing to come forward. I want it to be kept anonymous. But then people who had seen the letter, which she went to Yale Law School to have someone help her draft it. Then after seeing that, they, they leaked it, that it existed. But it was still a tiny leak in that it was national. Then you've got Diane Feinstein getting a copy of the letter and saying, well, I'm just going to sit on this instead of asking about it. Wouldn't it have been fantastic if she just said, I've received a letter that alleges that you engaged in some untoward conduct, sexual assault back when you were in high school and I forwarded it to my Republican colleagues. Everyone on the committee has it. We're submitting it into evidence. It's going to go in the background and we want to ask you about it. We want to give you a chance to defend yourself. And if we don't find your answer satisfactory, we're going to have the woman come in and testify before us so that we can, you know, fully vet you. No, Mm-mm. no, that would be too much like right. I, I Okay, so let's go to the phones. We have Bill in Georgia. Hey, Bill. Happy Monday to you. Hello. Hello. Um, What's your comment? This, uh, Stacey, I'm all right. Yes, it is. Welcome to the show. What's your comment? I'd like to comment on the matter concerning just Kavanaugh uh, with a reminder of what took place in the Bible with um, Judge uh, King Ahab and the matter of Naboth's vineyard. Remember, Ahab was the king of Israel, and he was a wicked king. And he desired the vineyard of a simple man named Naboth, and he was sick over it, and his wife, who was famous for wicked, said, I'll get that vineyard for you. And so she hired a couple of wicked guys to make up the story about Naboth, that he had cursed God and the king. And so we brought him up at a quick trial, and Naboth was, of course, found guilty and was taken out in stone. And Jezebel went to Ahab and said, here's your vineyard. 
And that just seems like the kind of of uh, wickedness that is going on in regard to Judge Kavanaugh. Mm, thank you so much for calling, Bill. Um, that is actually a, a really interesting story. He's talking about First Kings twenty one. Naboth is murdered for his vineyard. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty stunning stuff. It's not a physical murder that's happening. It's an actual, um, it's character assassination, which is murder of the character. That's what, that, that's what we're currently watching with Judge Kavanaugh. That, that, that's what uh, Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee are attempting to do to Judge Kavanaugh. Michael in Missouri, thank you so much for calling Stacy on the right. Yeah. Welcome to the me? show. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, my name's Mike, my name's Mike from Missouri. I'm on a cell. That's why I say I have a few men up to the best. Uh, yeah, I'm a former Marine. I served under Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan both. And uh, you're talking about John Kennedy. Well, you know, uh, I agree. Uh, I think that he's uh, definitely in the wrong. And I'm really get upset when I see the people like him doing what he's doing trying to undermine this administration. And, uh, I'm also sure that what he's doing is probably illegal, and I think they should look into that, you know, and if it is legal, I think he should be part of the charges. I think he should be prosecuted, you know, it's time to stop this kind of nonsense going on in this country, you know. And that's my opinion. Like, yeah, I, I agree. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and uh, thank you for calling the show and for listening in from Missouri, Michael. I agree with you. I think that, that in order to stop people from any political party, whichever side of the aisle they might be on, from feeling like this is something that's okay to do, they have to prosecute. Um, let's take one more call. We have more time. Pamela in Kansas. Hey, thanks so much for calling the show, Pamela. Hi, Stacy. How are you? I think we ought to fire them all. This is ridiculous. I can't believe it, honestly. I can't believe that this is the way it is. Like, so if you can't stop a person by questioning them and sending in the crazy protesters, then you just say, hey, when he was in high school, he did something horrible. It's, it's terrible. Mm, I think we've had really bad connections on the phone today. Um, but thank you so much for calling, Pamela. I have to say, uh, I the what's interesting is that it doesn't work on Democrats. So not only... Have I given you the example of Herman Cain? But can we just for one second look at what three weeks ago was it? I mean, just recent history. You have Keith Ellison, who is the number two guy at the DNC, and he's not running for reelection. He's actually going to go for I think it's attorney general in his state. Uh, I think he's from Michigan. Um, he's actually been accused credibly with 911 calls as evidence and a whole trove of emails showing that he was really abusive text messages, abusive text messages that all point to him being a actual abuser of a girlfriend that he had for a few years. And the Democrats just heard that. I mean, it literally just went whoop, whoop in one ear, out the other. Just it just slid right on through. No, no. Um, It didn't even hit like a, a speed bump as it traveled through the the media apparatus it had zero traction it just slid right on out of memory this guy is pretty powerful and he's number two at the dnc now i'm not saying he's guilty but certainly there's much more evidence against him than there is against judge kavanaugh so we're gonna have to spend at least 
the next week talking about the possibility that Judge Kavanaugh did something as a high schooler that's passed the statute of limitations and is completely unverified, his word against hers, her word against his, as opposed to something that's recent that could actually be prosecuted against Ellison. And the hope is that if she comes in and testifies, that enough people on the Republican side will find her credible and postpone or even cancel the hearing and start the process over again, which means it probably will not make it to completion before the election. Now, there's an unintended consequence of that is if they're able to do that, they'll be more energized. and They'll be more, you know, kind of cocky on the left hand side of the aisle. But it also means that on the right hand side of the aisle, people will be more motivated to vote to prevent the thing that they're trying to set into motion. So don't this is by no means a done deal for either side of the political aisle. And I I just, I encourage people, again, you have to be praying about the vote. Um, I shared about someone who approached me about having, you know, this kind of epiphany about uh, voting for certain issues. And I named off the three and I'll just share really quickly again. If you're just tuning into the show, we're in the last segment of the the hour and we don't have time for any calls now, but we will uh, again shortly. Um, Listen, it's pro-life, Second Amendment, religious liberty. Those are the three that I vote on. And it's not the party. It's the issue and the word of God. Biblical worldview. All right. Have a blessed afternoon. Be back with you tomorrow. Stacey on the right.